saves old sinners? Are you glad that God can take black sin, dip it in red blood, and it come out white as snow? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Boy, the Lord's good. He is. Yes, he is. Take your Bibles. Take your Bibles. Remain standing for just a moment. Take your Bibles and turn with me uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. And, and uh, I'm, I'm going to turn over to the book of Luke also, but you stay right there in 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, we are going to have a very, very special service tonight, uh, a sacred service, uh, a scriptural service, something that, that some, people, some people feel or, or have this idea it's a spooky service, but I want to explain it in detail as best I can. I, can't, I don't have time to go into it like I want to go into it this morning, so I'm going to share the rest of it tonight. Uh, but I want to talk about our communion service, the Lord's Supper, uh, the Lord's Table, if you will. Uh, I, have, I, I have been in church my whole life. All I've ever known is church. Are you all with me? Say amen. My father's sitting on the front row. He's had me in church my whole life. I, I've been to a lot of communion services and a, and, and a lot of times. And I, I have witnessed people, I have witnessed people for whatever reason just not come. Uh, Christians, born-again born believers, professed believers, uh, who chose not to take part in the Lord's table. Uh, I've seen some would come and be a part of it, but would pass as it, as it would go by uh, because uh, they didn't feel like they were worthy or they didn't feel like... Uh, that they could because of whatever reason, and and uh, I, I want to clarify some things this morning. I I, I really do. I, I want to I want to share God's word with us because this is important. The Lord's Supper is very important. If you are a child of God, if you are a believer, I don't want anything to keep you from taking part in this uh, uh, service that we're going to have tonight. But also, I want you to understand it because when you understand it, it means a whole lot more. And so let's do this. I, I, if you are in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, it'll be a miracle of God if I don't trip on this carpet right here before it's over with. Amen. They, I, I am confined right here. All right. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, I want you to be in verse 23. But before I get there, before I get there, I, I want to read this to you. In Luke, chapter number, in Luke chapter number 22, verse 14, it says, And when the hour was come... He sat down and the twelve apostles with him, and he said unto them, With desire I have desired. Now, how many of y'all know when, when God duplicates something in his word, that's, he's putting an emphasis on it? In other words, he's saying this is important. This is a big deal. And Jesus is saying here, this supper that we are having, it's a big deal. This is important. I have, I have longed for this night. I have a great desire to spend this time with you. With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it. And gave it unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper. This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. Uh, it, it, now, let's go to 1 Corinthians 
chapter number 11 where you are presently. 1 Corinthians 11, <clears throat> verse number 23. Are you there? Say amen. amen. Paul is instructing the, the Corinthian church. Uh, the Corinthian church had many problems. Uh, they, were, they were immature. Uh, they were acting immature. They were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. They had something that was called the love feast. It was kind of like a dinner on the ground where everybody would come together and fellowship. Everybody would come and eat and fellowship. And, and in the midst of that love feast, they would, they would partake of the Lord's Supper. There's only one problem. There was a bunch of cliques in the church. This group stayed over here and this group stayed over here. The whole purpose of the fellowship, the whole purpose of the dinner was to create a bond and a fellowship and, 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 and camaraderie between the, the brothers and sisters of Christ. But that wasn't taking place. The rich people were bringing big, uh, 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 bountiful uh, picnic baskets, if you will, of food. And they're over here gorging on this while the, the poor people went hungry. And Paul hears about this and he says, this should not be. Not only should this not be, he said, you should not be mixing something as sacred and holy and special as the Lord's Supper with this foolishness going on. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So Paul is, he's, he's, he's trying to correct this and he's given them a teaching. Verse number 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. You proclaim it. You, 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 you put a picture in front of people's minds about the Lord's death. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. So let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. If we, it says in verse 31, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. And all God's people said. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings and, and, and Lord, the, the spirit that's in this place. Lord, I, I pray. I, I'm, I'm not really after a shouting service. I, I'm not really after, uh, the, I, I'm after knowledge and wisdom and learning. Lord, I, I want everyone in here to learn something today and, and something that will encourage them and help them. Lord, it is something exciting. I have What I have studied and prepared for has done something for me and encouraged the fire out of me, and I pray that you'll do the same for them. I pray that your perfect will be done. Holy Spirit, I desperately need your assistance in this place. I need you to take my mind and my heart and my mouth and use it as you see fit. I pray that you'll let me say everything that needs to be said. I pray that you don't let me forget anything that needs to be said. Don't let me say something that don't need to be said. And God, I'll praise you and thank you for all that you do. Lord, we praise your holy name. In Jesus' precious, wonderful name, we pray and ask all these things. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's do a, let's do a brief uh, uh, let's go back to the Old Testament to find out where all this started. Uh, this, this thing called Passover. Jesus, on the night before he was crucified, the very night that he was betrayed, took and ate the Passover meal with his disciples. 
Now, what is the Passover meal? In order to really understand the Lord's table or communion or the Lord's supper, you need to understand what the Passover was. Back in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, you'll find that when God got ready to deliver the nation of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage, he sent plagues upon Egypt and on the gods of Egypt. And if you'll remember that, uh, there were several plagues. There was frogs and locusts and, and, and darkness, all kind of things that God tried to get the attention of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not let the people go. Well, there was a final plague. It was the death angel. And God went to Moses and said, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to choose you a lamb. Every household, every family was to choose them a lamb. This lamb was not just any lamb. This lamb had to be without spot and without blemish. You are to choose this lamb. Take this lamb and kill this lamb all at the same time. Every household at the same time would take and they would slay the lamb and take the blood of this lamb and put it on the, the doorpost and the lintel of the door. In other words, the opening into the home. And he said, everybody is to stay in that house and not come out of that house during the night because during the night the death angel is going to come. And there is going to come a plague upon all of Egypt. And the death angel will take the firstborn of every creature and every living thing. Are you all with me? Say amen. And he said, you stay in the house, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. He says that blood will be a token. That blood will be a sign. Listen, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. What do we learn from that? What do we learn from that? That judgment is coming. Say that with me. (laughs) Judgment is coming. Not only do we learn that judgment is coming, But we also learned that the only way to escape judgment is a death. A death. Something had to die to escape judgment. Now, what what do we also learn? The last thing before we go on. That there can be a substitute death, a substitutionary death for the sake of that judgment. In other words, if the lamb was not provided, the firstborn would die judgment would come but if you took an a lamb an innocent lamb and that lamb was to take the place of that person are y'all with me so far there could be a substitutionary death for the sake of the guilty in other words the innocent had to die for the guilty now you say what is the big deal about that what does that mean it means this everything in the old testament has been told to us as a shadow of things to come in the New Testament. In other words, every festival, every holiday, every meal, every feast that God commanded and instituted in the nation of Israel was pointing to the Lamb. Now, he said, you choose a Lamb, a Lamb without spot, a Lamb without blemish. No bone could be broken. But you know what that Lamb was saying? Is there's coming a Lamb. Every sacrifice said, there's coming a lamb. Every single time they ate the Passover meal, God was saying, there's coming a lamb. But we know that the lambs or the blood of bulls and bullocks can never take away sin. They could only cover sin. They could never take it away. In other words, the justice of God in heaven always remained unsatisfied, unsatisfied till the day that God chose his own lamb. Everything pointed to the New Testament. Everything pointed to Jesus. Everything. Somebody say amen. Look what it says. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 7, 
He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He has brought, watch this, he has brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. John sees him coming down the riverbank in John 1, 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Not cover, not cover, are you with me? He's not covering sin, he's taking them away. Amen. Woo, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. Amen. First Peter 1 Peter 1.18 For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Revelation 13.8 teaches us this, that he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Preacher, what are you saying? Before God ever said, let it be, and it was. Before God ever said, let it be. Before God ever created the stars and the moon. Before God ever formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Before Adam ever sinned, before Eve ever took of the fruit, God already made up his mind to be the solution to the problem problem before there was ever a problem he was slain before the foundation of the earth preacher what are you saying jesus knew that he would die jesus knew where he would die jesus knew how he would die oh you gotta understand every passover meal that this jewish boy ate as he was growing up he knew that that was a picture of himself he knew that one day he would give his life a ransom for many nobody took it he was not murdered he said i lay my life down freely and i'm going to take it up freely somebody ought to shout and give god glory listen the lamb he was the lamb of god And one day, whether you like it or not, whether you enjoy worship or not, you're going to stand and sing if you belong to God, if you're a child of God, if you're saved, if you're born again, you're going to stand in the glory world and you're going to say, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. You see, Jesus, just as that lamb gave its life so that they could go free, Jesus is the lamb who gave his life so we could go free. The Bible says, listen, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. 1 Peter three eighteen, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened in the spirit. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying he was that sacrifice. He was the lamb. Now, now that you understand a little more, now that you understand about the Passover and, and about leaving Egypt, and, 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 and boy, there's so much stuff that's there. I, I hope I have time tonight to go into a, a little more of it than I have today. But in, in, in that, that day, they were, to, they, were, they, were, they were to take that lamb And they were to roast that lamb, which represents judgment. Listen, they were to roast that lamb and they were to eat completely that lamb and and take the nourishment for that lamb because they were fixing to go on a journey. And they were going to need strength. And they were going to need power. And I'm telling you, in our Christian journey, we need strength. And we need power. He says, you have your loins girded. You have your shoes on your feet. You you be ready to go because Pharaoh's fixing to let you free. 
And that, fair, and that lamb gave its life. The blood was applied. Now listen, let me tell you something. You could believe that that would help you. You could believe if you took the blood and applied it to the doorpost that you would be delivered. But if you didn't apply the blood, you believing it wouldn't deliver you. What are you getting at? What I'm getting at is this. You can believe in God. You can believe in the cross. You can believe in forgiveness. You can believe in the blood. But if you don't apply it, Y'all with me? Amen. Now, now, I don't want to run a rabbit. Let's just, what's this all about? What's this, what's this table all about? What is the, 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 the Lord's table? Imagine him coming in, knowing, knowing in a matter of hours he was going to be, be beat beyond human recognition. In a matter of hours he was going to, have people spit in his face and his beard plucked out, knowing in a matter of hours that one of them was going to betray him, and they'd all scatter. And one of them, his, one of his main men, is going to deny him. In a matter of hours, he was going to be in a garden praying to the point that his sweat becomes as great drops of blood as capillaries begin to burst, and his sweat becomes as great drops of blood as he's in such intense pressure under the calling and commission of his life. He says, man, I, I, I desire to eat this meal with you. In the midst of this meal, there's a lot of things that goes on. In the midst of this meal, they're arguing over who's going to be the greatest. He gets down and washes their feet to teach them a lesson of humility and service and true happiness, really. They, they, he confronts Peter. He confronts Peter because Peter's still full of himself and arrogant. Listen, Peter, you, you, you're going to deny me. No, no, I'll never deny. All of them can deny. I'm not going to deny you. Listen, your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. Satan has desired to have thee, but I sift you. Listen, he said, he's desired to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for thee. In the middle of this meal, he, 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 we see the, the, the heavenly prayer, really the real Lord's prayer where God is praying, Jesus is praying to his Father and saying all things are completed. And, 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 and he's praying that, 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 that Christians, that God's people would be one as him and the Father are one. There's so many things that's going on. And, and this, this meal lasted for hours. Peter's confronted. Judas is confronted. And at a time, Judas is dismissed from the fellowship to go do what he's going to do. What thou do, do quickly. So many things take place in this meal that we're going to learn about tonight. But the one thing that I want, I want to share, actually, a couple things. What is this about? Why do we do this? Why do thousands of years later do we still take part in the Lord's table in the communion? Why are we still being and doing what was done that night in that hour? You see, the Passover was up until that point. Up until that point, Jesus is fixing to change things. If God instituted, God had to be the one to change it. And now we're going from the Passover to the Lord's table. In other words, that, listen, when the lamb came and the lamb died, no other lamb had to die. So now we go from the Passover to the Lord's table, to communion. Are you with me? Say amen. Now why do we do this? Jesus says it. Look in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians verse 23. For I have received of the Lord 
that which also I delivered, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in So number one, the time that we're going to share tonight is a time of remembrance. It's a time of remembrance. What are we going to remember? Isn't it amazing that we get together every Christmas to remember his birth? And nowhere in the scripture does it tell us to take time to remember his birth. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing that we do. I mean, I I like Christmas. Amen. But what he wants us to remember is not his birth but his death. He said, I want you to remember my body, which is broken for you. Now, now when we say broken, understand this. We're not talking about bones because a bone could not be broken. A bone, he said, I don't want any bones broken in this land, in the Old Testament book of Exodus. And also, do you remember when they came to break the legs of the, of the, the, the people on the cross? You see, the Romans, the way they would crucify, the way they would execute somebody, they would hang them on a cross. And many times they would hang there for hours and hours and hours. And and they would hang them on a cross in such a way that they would put their feet up from under them where the weight of their body would pull upon their diaphragm. And literally most of them would not die of bleeding out. They would die of suffocation because they would become so weak they can't push themselves up to get a breath of air, they would be weak and they would go back down and, their, and, their, and their, the weight of their body would pull on their diaphragm to the point they can't breathe. Then they would push themselves up and try to get some air and then go back down. And this would last for hours. I mean, the Romans were masters at creating pain. And they didn't want somebody to just to die and be over with. They wanted them to suffer. But when they wanted to hurry up the process... They would take what's called a bone axe and they would come and they would break the legs of the people on the cross so they have no ability to push up anymore and then they would suffocate. Do y'all remember? The soldiers came. The soldiers came to, to break the legs of the men on the cross so they would go and they, when they came to Jesus, they said, he's dead already. And they stuck a spear in his side. What was that? That was to prove to you that he was the lamb. No bones were broken. When, G- when Jesus takes the bread and says, this is my body which is broken for you. We're not talking about bones. We're talking about his battering. In the, in, in the pain and the suffering that he went through. He wants you to remember that. He wants you to remember the blood that was shed. He wants you to remember the crown of thorns that was placed upon his head. He wants you to remember the beating that he received. He wants you to remember the cat of nine tails. He wants you to remember the spikes that were driven into his wrist, into the place where the nerves were so it would create even greater pain. He wants you to remember every drop of blood that dripped and fell off of that cross. He wants you to remember his death. Don't ever forget what it cost so you could go free. Why is that so important? I was wondering about that. Man, this. As terrible as that is, how many of you? How many of you uh, went and, and saw the Passion of the Christ, or maybe maybe sometime did, it, did did anybody did anybody go and see it at the movie theater? Raise your hand, R- real high, so I can see. It. Raise your hand. We we got 
we, we got a, a group of people uh, to go, probably 70, 75 of us went on a Wednesday night. Came to church, we had the late, it was when it was really hot and you had to get reservations and all that kind of thing. And, and we were lined up, we were lined up outside. Some of y'all were with me, y'all remember this. Uh, uh, we were lined up outside to go into this theater. <clears throat> and everybody was excited, man, this, this is the thing, this is a, we can't wait to go in here and see. This is just unbelievable, finally a movie about something that, you know, and, and everybody's, and, and, and everybody in the line, we wasn't the only ones, there were several different churches there. We was in the line and, and, uh, and, 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 and everybody's chit-chatting and, and just having a big time and, and, and all, you, could, you could feel the excitement in there. And when the doors opened and the people came out that was in there, it was so quiet. It was so solemn. And tears just about on every face. And so here you have a line going in that's chit-chatting and excited and cutting up and having a big time, and they turn and they see all these people coming out. And then we went in. Then when we came out, we were quiet. And this whole new group of people was chit-chatting and smiling and cutting up and looking at us and wondering, what was our problem? Let me tell you what happened. There are so many people who had no realization of what Jesus really went through. Now, as, as bad as the passion of the Christ was, man could still not depict what it was really like. The Bible says that Jesus' visage was so marred, you could not even tell he was a man. You could see his insides from the outside. He was beaten to a bloody pulp and they plucked his beard out and mocked him and spit in his face, had spit dripping off his face, hung him on a cross naked before the world. And he says, I want you to remember this. And I wondered why is it so important to remember this? The next time you tell a lie, Remember what it cost Jesus. The next time you go to get angry without cause, remember what that, that sin cost Jesus. The next time you want to do something foolish and something that you know is wrong, I want you to stop a minute and think what that sin cost Jesus. He said, I want you to remember. Why should we remember so we can appreciate? How many have children and willing to admit it? <clears throat> How do you feel when you, you purchase something for them and they neglect it? Something that costs you a great deal and they leave it out in the rain or they just... Take it for granted. or what, what do you think that God the Father thinks when what cost Him everything is abused and neglected and unappreciated by those it was given for? He said, remember. He said, I, I, I don't know. I don't want you to just remember what I did. I want you to remember why I did it. He said, this body which is broken, that's what? For 
Come on, for, for you. Why did he do it? For you. Why did he hang on that cross when he called, he could have called legions of angels at any moment to come and take him off that cross. He didn't have to go all the way. He didn't have to do it, but he did it for you. I had a young man in my office two weeks ago. He had so many questions, just an inquisitive young man, very, very sharp young man. And this is what he said. He said, preacher, this just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense why an innocent man had to die for a wicked one. And you know all I can say? You're right. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. There's no way you can logically make sense out of what happened on the cross. But you can trust it. Hey, let's hurry. Number two, number two. This time tonight, this is a time of remembrance. Say that with me. It's a time of, we're going to remember. He said, every time you do this, as often as ye do, do in remembrance of me. We're not going to be thinking about the weather. We're not going to be thinking about the next sports venue. We're not going to be thinking about the fish we caught. We're not going to be thinking about the problems we have. We're not going to be thinking about what's facing us this week. We're not going to be thinking about what fun we can get into for spring break. Our focus tonight is going to be on the death of our Lord Jesus Christ and what it costs our salvation so we can make it to heaven. It's a time of remembrance. Not only is it a time of remembrance, according to this, it's a time of examination. It's a time of examination. Look what he says. He says... Wherefore, verse 27, you there? Verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man... Come on, y'all. Y'all getting quiet. Come on. Now, we're going to celebrate here in a minute. But just come on. But let a man examine himself. So let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily Eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. There were people being chastened by the Lord and disciplined by the Lord because of the manner in which they took the Lord's table. Now, what do we take from this? And it's not going to be what you think. I know what you think. You're waiting for that hammer to fall and, and me to just jump on everybody. And bless God, you need to get your heart right and don't even think about taking this unless you just... No. My whole life I've seen people feel guilty or feel inadequate so they would just bypass the Lord's table. They would just bypass. They just wouldn't take. I don't want to eat damnation, so I just assume there may be something. No, no, no. I was studying this, and God just impressed upon my heart. Study the Word. Look at the Word unworthily. If, if it's what you think it is, guess what? Nobody's worthy. Nobody's been good enough. Nobody's holy enough. Nobody's righteous enough. That's not what he's saying here. The word unworthy here in this point, unworthily, means irreverently. It means without respect. 
It means with a wrong spirit and a wrong attitude, not respecting what it is that you're doing. It doesn't mean if you've got anything in your life, then you can't do it. That's not what it's saying. That's not what it's saying. It doesn't say you have to be perfect. It doesn't say you have to have every sin. Listen, I, 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 I'm just, no, just pure, white as snow. That's not what it's saying. He's saying when you come, be reverent. When you come, be respectful. When you come, understand that this is serious. This is important. This is not just a fellowship. This is not just dinner on the ground. We can't just be haphazard about this thing. This is important. This is spiritual. This is sacred. This is reverent. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Man, I I about wept last night. I about wept last night when I thought about how many people have been misunderstood this and thought they had to be perfect. They had, thought they had all their ducks in a row. I had to be just right to do this. Or I, no. No, the Lord's table is for forgiven sinners. It's so we have a chance to remember and celebrate that Jesus came for messed up people. Jesus died for messed up people. Jesus died for sinners. So what do we do? We examine ourselves. We examine our motive. We examine why we're here. We, listen, and now don't get me wrong. This is a great time that if you got all with somebody, get it right. This is a great time, listen, to deal with something. God has given us an opportunity to be clear. When we take of the Lord's Supper, He's given us an opportunity. Hey, I want you to be clear. Now, why is this important? Why is this important? Because it, it determines our fellowship with Him. 1 John. In 1 John chapter number 1, the Bible says this. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Nobody's perfect. I, there ought to be some more amens than that. But it says this. In the first part of that chapter... John is saying, he said, I want to tell you about a man. Matter of fact, I want to tell you about the lamb. Man, we touched him with our own hands. We saw him with our own eyes. We heard him with our own ears. I'm not telling you something I heard. This is not a rumor. This is not some story. This is the real deal. And we are speaking these things unto you. For our fellowship is with the Father, and we want your fellowship to be with us. And fellowship is determined by relationship. And it says this, if we confess our sin. Now, why do we need to do that? Because the Bible says God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. In other words, we can't walk in the shade and expect fellowship with the light. We got to walk in the light as he is in the light. How do we walk in the light? We come to him and confess our sin. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm glad that I have a God who will forgive me me who will take me and clean me up when I make mistakes when I fall down and when I do wrong he will bring me back in pick me back up wash me off and place me where I need to be and be in full fellowship with my father listen this communion you remember you remember what Jesus said he had all the disciples around him and Jesus said with desire I have desired to spend this time with you. 
In another verse, it says, it says, knowing the time of the end, he said he loved them unto the end. Can you, can you see the fellowship that Jesus, he wanted to spend some special intimate time with his disciples, and he said, I've desired to spend this time. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying the communion service can be a sweet time of fellowship between the sinner and the Savior. You don't have to be perfect. You just got to come with a right mentality. Come reverently. Come understanding. This is not a religious activity. This is not a religious habit. This is just not another thing that we do. No. This is the Lord's table. This is where we come and we remember what he's done. Don't not come because you think you have issues. Come to this altar this morning and say, God, help me with my issues. Because I want to be there tonight. I want a fellowship. There's nothing... There's nothing sweeter than communion and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says this, in thy presence is fullness of joy. Maybe your Christian life has not been fulfilled lately because you need to come and commune a while. I don't care what you... Listen, study it. Don't take my word for it. Study the word. I'm telling you, God told me to tell you. Don't skip out tonight because you don't think you're worthy, because you got issues. Guess what? Look around. Ain't a person in this room that don't have issues. He says, come respectfully. Come reverently to the Lord's table. The time of examination. Church, say Amen. Then lastly, it's not only a time of remembrance. It's a time of examination. But it's a time of thanksgiving. A time of thanksgiving. What is it? I'm going to go tonight. In detail, in the four cups that are used during the Passover, in each part of the Passover, the ceremonial cleansing and what's called the Halil, it's a, it's a it's reading of the Psalms, Psalms one thirteen to one eighteen. In between the cups, they, in in between they would have the Haggadah, which is the telling forth or the explanation of the Passover. We're going to talk about that tonight. But the Halil, the Halil is where they would spend time reading Psalm 113. In between the cups would be Psalm 113 and 114. And then after the, I believe it's the second cup or the third, it's Psalms uh, 115 through 118. And I went last night and I read them and read them and read them and read them. And you know what? They all had an emphasis. 
they all had an emphasis, basically two things. I mean, there were several things you could take from it, but two really stood out in my mind. One was mercy. His mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. Over and over, you, you see them praising him and thanking him for his mercy. You see, communion is a time of thanksgiving. During the Passover meal, they would take and they would read these over, thanking God for his mercy. What is mercy? Not getting what we deserve. Mercy is not going to hell. Mercy is not having to hang on the cross. Mercy is not being judged for your sin. We have a substitute. We have the Lamb of God. Thank God for His mercy. Thank God for His mercy. Thank God for His mercy and His forgiveness. Somebody say amen. It's a time when we can come and thank God for His mercy. All of us deserve to be in hell. But because of the mercy of God, let me say this about that mercy. They're new every morning. <clears throat> Why? Because we need them. The second thing, you read it. You see over and over uh, 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 just a, a real emphasis on mercy. But not only mercy, but deliverance. Deliverance. It speaks of their deliverance coming out of Egypt. It speaks on deliverance from their enemies. Now, why is that important? I'm delivered from my sin. You with me? I'm delivered from judgment. I'm delivered from hell. But there are times I need to be delivered from my enemies. The devil is as a roaring lion who roameth about seeking whom he may devour. And he's always tempting. He's always missing. He's always trying to destroy. He's always trying to get you to doubt. And I'm telling you, there are days in my life that I thank God that he intervened in my life and delivered me from certain destruction. He delivered me from my own foolishness. He delivered me from my own mistakes and my own failures. Are you glad for the deliverance of God this morning? Deliverance. Some of you goody two-shoe people in here, you know, you're really good people never done nothing wrong. You sing the song, I don't smoke, I don't dip, I don't chew, I don't run with those who do. <clears throat> Talk right, walk right, spit white, you know, I know. Some of them will get it. They won't all get that one, Amen. You won't know how it feels to be the woman with the reputation who came to Jesus. Who Simon was criticizing. So if he was a real prophet, he wouldn't even let her touch him. And Jesus told the story so well. He said, Simon, if you had, a, you had a man with a great debt, and he was forgiven, and you had a man with just a little debt, and he was forgiven, who would be more appreciative? He said, well, obviously, the great debt. He said, that's right. 
So this woman came and her tears had washed my feet and she's not ceased to kiss my feet and show appreciation and love and affection. Simon, you ain't done nothing. And unless you've really walked in the shoes of broken people, you'll never understand the full effect and the full appreciation of deliverance. You see, nobody, nobody in the world could understand deliverance like the Jewish people who had chains on their feet and whips on their back. But when, <laughs> but whoo, when they crossed that Red Sea <laughs> and they turned around and here comes Pharaoh. How many of y'all know your pastors try to chase you? Here comes Pharaoh. Now, if it had been me, as soon as that last Israelite, I'd have brought the water in right behind them to protect, you know, all the way. That'd been my, not God. He kept it open. And I bet, I bet the last Israelite, the last Israelite in line, coming across, hurry up, boys! Move it up there. Looking back, and here it comes. And they all get across. Y'all know what happened? God led them. He let all those Egyptians come into the sea. And right when they was in the middle, he took all their chariot wheels off. Y'all with me? You know that phrase, boy, the wheels come off. And then he let the sea kill them all. I'm going to help you with something right here. Why did he do that? Why would, why would God do that? You see, they were slaves. They had a slave mentality. And the one in the chariot was their slave master. And if, if, if what that has had you enslaved is still chasing you, you're still a slave. So I'm going somewhere. So God let all that nation of slaves stand on that riverbank and stand on that shore of the sea. And watch God destroy their former slave master. Ho, 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 ho. Because if what has had you enslaved is still chasing you, then you ain't really free. But God, God says, I want you to understand. I'm not only going to bring you out geographically, from the place that's had you enslaved. I'm going to let you watch me destroy the one that's kept you in chains. The one that's put the whips upon your back. Now watch what happened. When, <laughs> when they saw that, Miriam and a bunch of the people got together and they went and did their happy dance. Now, I don't know exactly how that went, but that's all I got. 
The Bible says they begin to sing. And they begin to celebrate. And they begin to rejoice. They begin to have a party. You know why? Because they have been delivered. They're no longer a slave. They're no longer in bondage. They're no longer chains. They are free. And who the Son has made free is free indeed. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying we need to have a party. We need to celebrate. We need to rejoice. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You ought not be quiet. You ought to be standing up on your feet and letting the whole world know, I'm forgiven. I'm delivered. I have experienced the mercy of God. Thank God Almighty. I am free at last. Free at last. Give God praise. Give God glory. Give Him honor and praise in the house of God. Stand up with me. Delivered. I'm free. Free. Stay standing. We're done. Some of you ain't acting free, though. Because the devil's telling you you're still a slave. You're not a slave. You're a child of God. Maybe it's time you come to communion. So you can learn to praise him. And be thankful for mercy and deliverance. Well, We're going to talk about some stuff tonight. It's going to be really cool. Please don't miss it. Please don't miss it. Please don't think you're not good enough. I don't know why that's bothered me so bad. All I can think about is all through the years, the people who would never take part of communion because they didn't think they were good enough. Or maybe somewhere down deep there's something I don't even know about and I'm going to suffer. No, just come. If God is speaking to you about something, yes, deal with that. Matter of fact, this is a good time right now. It's not difficult. Jesus didn't make, Jesus didn't make cleansing difficult. He said, come and confess it. If we confess our sin, He is, He is faithful and just to forgive us. He will forgive us. He will. And when He forgives us, He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So here's the invitation. Now, if you're here and you're an unbeliever, if you're here and you're an unbeliever, you need to understand that communion is for saved people. It's for people who are redeemed. And and, and if you're not saved, we've got people at this altar right here, men for men, ladies for ladies. It would tickle them to death. It tickled me to death to let them take their Bible and show you how you can be saved today. But everybody else, listen, I want you to take this time right now. We're going to sing a verse of invitation. If you need to come or you pray at your chair, I don't care how you do it.